Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? Good, Michael. I would, I would give you the weather update, but it's, uh, it's pitch black outside because we're recording this in the evening. I think for the first time. I think it might be the first time, actually. The latest we've ever recorded an episode. You're, yeah. uh, you're uh, very busy at the Express. You're a, you're a very busy man. This is true. I had a nice, uh, enjoyable meeting today, which lasted, uh, I think, 50 minutes after I supposed to finish. So we had to push back a little bit, which is no problem. Uh, we're joined also by Luke Perry. Luke, how are you? I'm very well. I mean, even if we recorded this an hour earlier, wouldn't be able to tell what the weather was because, you know, it's coming to the winter solstice and it's just dark at about five o'clock now, or as, as Peter Hitchens says, as it should be. That's true. That's true. Well, it's... Um... We'll only be complaining in a few months when it changes again. So maybe you might have something there. Yes, <laughs> at least, I look at least losing that hour of sleep. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, now, our listeners don't have to lose any sleep. I think that might be the worst connection I've ever made, but we're going to keep it. Our listeners don't have to lose any sleep uh, in the in the in the worry that we're not going to touch on COVID this week. I think we saved it till last last week, which must have been a real bout of torture. So we'll kick off with it this week, and there's there's plenty of stories to go on, again, not only in Britain, but across the world as the madness really continues. But I think the probably the biggest story um, is uh, that we can kick off with on this is mandatory vaccination, which, Luke, as you pointed out before we started recording, um, was introduced by the government on Armistice Day, which is a, a nice little touch, isn't it? On the <laughs> on the day in which we remember those who fought and died uh, to uh, give us our freedom, um, the government decided to strip away that very freedom for great numbers of people. So, Luke, I think I'm going to hand over to you on this, since I'm sure you've written on it about 100 times this week, haven't you? 100 times would be an understatement. Now, um Mandatory vaccination, both in Britain and uh, across the world, has really picked up since the since the onset of winter. And uh, in in the UK, of course, we now have mandatory vaccination for care workers. The government also confirmed this week that um, NHS staff will have to be double vaccinated by the spring. And yeah, just thinking of that point on Armistice Day, they could not have picked. I mean, it was probably deliberate as just a show of force that no, you do not have freedoms anymore. <laughs> Won't put it past them. Uh, and so, yes, um, the big problem, the, imme the immediate problem, of course, is that an already understaffed service will be even more understaffed at its most, at, at the time of year where it always, well, the net always breaks and um, yeah. the problems that the health service face becomes unsustainable. And that's been the case. 10 odd years now and um but of course the, the long term as well is that it does set a very awful precedent that you do not have control over your own bodies that the, the pro-choice crowd seems to have just faded into dust where are they at mm. this critical moment yeah so, this this doesn't end with nurses oh it, of course it doesn't end with nurses i mean you well, see, remember that's not where you it look began. At, <laughs> yeah that's, it started that's where with it care begins. Now we're, and no, then, no, it didn't begin there. It started with care home workers, then nurses, yeah. and then sort of wider NHS staff. So no, there's no reason to believe that this is the last point, since it's not even the first. We're already moved a few steps down the ladder. It's funny, isn't it, that, that pre, uh, pre-development of the vaccine, they were, you know, upheld as heroes. You know, people were clapping for them on their doorsteps, you know, every night. And now they're just vectors of disease and nothing else. Yeah. 
It's like that video when Saddam Hussein uh, takes control and <laughs> calls out a list of names and they must stand up and shuffle out of the building. And you know that <laughs> outside that building, they, they won't see, uh, they, they won't be greeted by, by any treats at the least. Um, and the same for these workers. I mean, some of the people uh, will have been working in the profession for years upon years upon years. They know uh, many people and uh, have gained close relationships with people. They're good at what they do. Um, they find it rewarding and they give others a rewarding experience in the way that they care. And you can see this. I mean, there's been some videos and reports uh, and letters from people who have actually had to do the sacking. You know, some of the people who run the trusts where where people have been booted out and they're breaking down about it. They are they are besides themselves with misery at the fact that these people who are excellent workers, who are dedicated to what they do, have been kicked out because they've chosen not to um, get vaccinated against COVID, which we were always told was a choice. We, we still are amusingly told that it is a choice. Um, I mean, we talk about the, the the mafia choice so often that we won't bore you with it again, but um, the, the, the politicians are so brazen on this, and so are the journalists, that they say, you will be able to choose all this. You, you can do whatever you like. But of course, you can't do whatever you like, because when one other choice is to have no income and for your family to go into uh, financial misery and then as a consequence, social misery, that's no choice. You can't choose something like that. You either choose to get vaccinated uh, or, or bloody well hope that you've, you've got some financial backing already. It's also the Trump card that uh, if you get vaccinated, you will not become a vector of disease that some that the vaccine in fact stops transmission but of course the studies show that it doesn't i mean the, the health security agency and the, the the new and useless public health england has recently tried to perform a cover-up of um, its investigation into vaccine effectiveness it's finding that um infection rates are higher in the vaccinated than the unvaccinated and there's been pressure on the body just to hide that inconvenient truth hmm. and but um of course the uh, the rhetoric or the, just the dogmatic truth that vaccines are absolutely crucial in preventing transmission has just captured the public so they they accept it now and well it's because any any, any anything even slightly to the contrary gets slapped with a you know uh this is how vaccines really work thing on twitter or instagram you know like the the oh, yeah. The way they contextualize any any sort of um, alternative view on it is just a symbol of you know this. There's there's a lot of um, conveniences and in, in in the way that the in, in the protections that these providers are are um, given. You know that they're legally um, completely safe from any sort of lawsuits and any any questioning of them will be slapped with context. You know, i.e., pointing you towards the establishment truth of the matter. Or removed. Don't forget that yeah. one of our episodes was just yeah. deleted. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was the end of it. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, but also, I think Luke, you mentioned this in, in an article before, which is um, even the vaccinated sign up to essentially like an indentured servitude, where thank uh, due to like booster jabs, they're constantly on this like poly, you know, where their their continued. Um, dare I say it, privilege is constantly uh, dependent on them having the up-to-date booster you know mm. up, up until the seventh eighth ninth whatever like every year but but by the sounds of some of the, the media rhetoric around it 
Well, that links us to the other story, doesn't it? Which is the threat of uh, over 65s not being allowed to uh, live their life normally unless, as you just said, they don't get a booster vaccine, which a lot of people sort of criticised the Tories for because it damaged their uh, electoral force, given that the over 65s is, uh, are the people who turn out most for the Conservatives. As if that were the only problem we face the face of the country, the idea that the Conservatives might lose a few votes. Who cares? Let's hope. Um, but either way, I mean, I mean, I think the age group will take it a lot anyway, but that's besides the point, because even those who are um, happy for these mandates lose out because it's not just those who choose not to get vaccinated who lose their freedom. It's the whole country uh, which loses its collective freedom. It's a collective thing. Um, and I think actually what you said, Sam, there sort of proves that, because even if you agree with getting the first and the second, you might be slightly less comfortable or willing to get the third or fourth or fifth or however far this goes. Um, but, like by that, but by that point, you've you've made your you know, Faustian pact. Yeah. You've signed it in blood and, and now you're you're owned for as long as the state chooses to mandate up to the vaccination for access to public goods. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and in Austria as well. So we've been talking about Britain, but there's been some news in Austria this week, which might be worth covering. Yes, the um, well, um, countries around Europe are starting to, you know, um, reintroduce the, the idea of lockdown. Um, and so the, the Netherlands has gone into a partial lockdown with you know, a winter surge presently happening. Um, ironically, the countries with the, uh, the lowest surges are the UK and Sweden, who at the at current have no... Uh, standing regulations but Austria has now introduced a lockdown for the unvaccinated which is what we've been saying is going to happen for months mm. you know it's, it's it's another one of those things where they they call it a conspiracy theory until it's proven true and then it's a good thing actually yeah, yeah that's a good point. <laughs> you know well, they say the same with um with inflation was always one of them mm-hmm. sort of. it's not real it's not real it's not real okay it is real but it's good yeah <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the last rhetorical line of defense that it's actually a good thing uh, but yeah Austria is now introduced uh, to dear society where if you if you put a needle in your arm you're allowed to go to the pub if you don't you aren't yeah and one of the uh, one of the, the themes of the next issue possibly the the primary theme of the next issue was uh, Luke might be able to tell us a little bit about is this uh, this idea is linked to recent uh, conferences cop 26 in particular and the whole climate question because another thing we've been suggesting might be the case not just as plenty of commentators actually um is the idea of climate lockdowns um this was floated actually during the first lockdown i remember the, the number of articles praising um uh, for example the the beautifully clear waters in venice which had never been so clear when people had actually used them but now we'd stopped using them they were so lovely and perhaps it's a good idea for uh, funny know. how rowing a boat doesn't produce fossil fuels i know it's incredible um yeah but no i'm so pleased that they've all managed to fly into <laughs> into glasgow in any case and resolve the matter for us also cop 26 has recently broken a, a new ecological record Right. RT. Um, apparently, all the CO2 used in making COP26 a reality is double that of the last major climate conference. <laughs> I, 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 I still think the Japanese flying in empty planes just to test which airport was better is a the much is the much more funnier story. But well, yes, uh, the climate lockdowns very worrying. 
let's I mean, uh, I, I, writing for the next issue i remember writing something along the lines of if you don't think any of these policies will come true like red meat will be taxed to high heaven and there won't ever be you know, the summer climate lockdown or whatever after there's a forest fire in australia just pl place your bets now otherwise yeah. the wef won't allow you the physical cash to actually gamble also like i i wouldn't be surprised that you mentioned summer winter if if that's what becomes the reality of you know a split year where you know you're free for the summer summer months and in the in the winter you're just sort of you know under lock and key mm. that would be like, be like the similar to the three-day working week which our grandparents sort of live through <laughs> the six month free year <laughs> i wouldn't say it'd be that long yeah two well luke Sweet. you mentioned you mentioned the japanese flying out empty planes uh to to test which airport was the quickest route or something like that for cop 26 i think this can lead us nicely on to the next story because as um i couldn't help but laugh actually last night that a deportation flight uh, left Britain for Jamaica with, with criminals, well, supposed to be with criminals uh, who had committed acts such as rape, um, I think uh, robbery, child sexual abuse was certainly one of them as well. 33 criminals were supposed to be on this plane, but because of last minute legal challenges, there ended up being four on board. Um, who knows when the rest will be sent over? Uh, and Priti Patel found this galling was the quote. I find it more galling that the plane was supposed to, well, the plane's capacity on and full was about 430, yet there were only actually supposed to be about 30 people there in the first place. I find that. Uh, I, I, I find it endlessly frustrating when Priti Patel bemoans this sort of thing when she's the Home Secretary. Yeah. The, yeah. The... Oh, she was supposed to be a bully, weren't she? Yeah. She was supposed <laughs> to be the strong, um, independent woman yeah. getting her own way. Where's her yeah. tenacious streak when it comes to things that actually matter? What what strikes me with another liberal and conservative teeth. Yeah, all these all these comments uh, and headlines that that say how shocked Pretty Patel is and the Tory bodies and how frustrated it is with the latest development. It all of them seem to forget that the Conservative Party has been in government now for more than a decade, more than a decade. Now, of course, some of this has to do with. Uh, certain legal challenges or former ties to the European Union in some cases, or certain human rights laws. But that's going around the edges. The main bulk of the topic could certainly have been drawn to question, properly challenged and overturned. And nowhere is that more clear than on the channel, um, where, I mean, it's, it's one of those where, Luke, you'll know this with writing almost every day. I remember I used to write this every single week for the Daily Skeptic, and I'm sure it'd be the same for you, writing a new piece on um, on the new record number for the NHS waiting list, right? Oh, yes. Did one uh, of them the other day. Uh, yeah, I know. I, it, well, that reminded me, because I write now every single day of the new record numbers of, of migrants crossing the channel. Uh, just the other day, it was... Um, Aren't you glad you didn't start at the Express in the summer? I know. <laughs> well, well, no, it's it's got higher. New record today, a 1,000 in one day. Now, the Times estimated earlier this year, and the estimates shocked people, that there might be 22,000 migrants across the channel in the whole of 2020, which, by the way, is almost three times the number that crossed in uh, 2020. But already this year, 24,000 have crossed. We've still got a month to go and we've already beaten the record. Hooray. Um, and, and you see absolutely nothing happening. I mean, we're, we're sending millions over to the French to try and stop the problem for us, but we don't do 
the very simple thing which Alp Mehmet of the uh, of Migration Watch says over and over that if you turn these boats away, if you just turn them around and send them back, then people will start to get the picture. They'll go, hang on a minute, we're not going to be able to get there. They won't just uh, collect us and take us back in. There were reports of um, when migrants were trying to enter, I think it was Greece, uh, and they, they were sort of the, the traffickers started to notice um, that the uh, the Greek or the Europeans, wherever it was, were going further and further out to collect the migrants. The traffickers were giving them worse and worse boats because they thought, well, they're going to go and collect them anyway. So what's the point of putting more fuel in it when it's only going to go a quarter of the way before they get collected? And and a lot of people died because of this. And we're seeing people dying still in recent weeks. And that's a direct result of the government's slackness on responding to this issue, relying on the French to stop them at their borders, which clearly isn't going to happen. Um, unless, of course, maybe again, we were to actually just turn the boats around and the French might start to realise we're causing ourselves more logistical problems with lots of people coming back this way by just not stopping them from crossing in the first place. So quite a few easy solutions, nothing being done. At the same time, Belarus-Polish border, where you've got the, the Belarusian uh, president trying to uh, heckle the European Union, essentially, in, in protestation at earlier um, tariffs or uh, the other word of hurting a company, uh, country financially, that I can't remember right now, uh, but you see what I mean. Um, and we've sent our own troops there. We do nothing at our own borders, but care to protect that of Poland and the European Union. Now, that seems to me to be a complete joke. No, it absolutely is. Um, before that, I just want to go back to the the thing about the uh, paying off the French to keep them in France. Well, the French have been pretty fiery in their rhetoric against the UK for a couple of years now. <laughs> you know, we we have constant you know petty squabbles with France over like fish and that sort of thing. Everything yeah, blockaded. Pretty Jersey, much, pretty they? much everything. I think I think Macron has taken Brexit the most to heart out of all the European heads of state. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's obviously not going to work out. And on the Belarus thing, it's really quite interesting the 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 way in which uh, Belarus was being sock puppeted uh, against Europe because it has you know a hard border with the European Union um, via Poland. But they've essentially just been like bussing in um, migrants from the Middle East and then just sort of sending them to the border. And, okay, run. Yeah. No, it's but but you, you can feel the. Uh, the hand of uh, Russia sort of guiding the, the mm. Belarusian uh, move. Yeah. That's, that really is where the EU finds its main problem because they know that if they you know, try and stop Belarus from playing up by throwing more sanctions on the country, that they'll, they'll shrug their shoulders with, with Russia's backing. That's certainly the, um, the suggestion within reports. Uh, and at the same time, they don't really want to negotiate because that shows them giving in to a, a big bully, essentially. So it is a pretty big problem. And what what uh, um, the Belarusian president is doing is, is hideous. There's no other words for it. It's terrible. Um, but why we're involving ourselves in that sort of matter when we do nothing about the problem at our own border shows a real weakness of character in this country um, and also a lack of understanding. It's, it's an issue which we're happy to talk about all the time and Pretty Patel will give us lots of good uh, statements on it. But absolutely no action, none whatsoever. Pretty much. Good response. Across this country, a lot of authority and power just used in the most useless of ways. Yeah. Like we do the... have troops, but they're 
Yeah, Close do you mean, you mean like, like, do you mean like, a, like a small platoon arriving to arrest a man who flashes ass at a speed camera? Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's but, a uh, story. But all those grooming gangs for decades just untouched. Yeah, mm. yeah. And Luke just ate the uh, bitten fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, before we let Luke go any further, we'll go on to the last story, which is about a court case going on in the US, which Sam, I know you've been keeping particular attention on. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the uh, the trial of Carl uh, Rittenhouse, who, um, well, to 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 put it bluntly, it's quite possibly the largest gulf I've ever seen between the media comment on a matter and the matter itself. Um, there was a there's a, a stunning example recently where NBC uploaded a um, a highlight reel of one of the day's events during which the prosecution's key witness, uh, the man who uh, was shot in the arm by Rittenhouse non-fatally, admitted in court that Carl didn't fire upon him until, um, I think his name was Gage Grosskraut or something like like that, had had raised the gun to Rittenhouse's head, basically. Um, That was caught on camera. Um, It resulted in the the, uh, prosecution with their heads in their hands, uh, in disbelief at at the fact that their whole case had just crumbled in an instant, and it was left out of the report. But yeah, no. The simple matter is is that um, three people were shot, um, three of whom wouldn't have been shot if they weren't attacking Mr. Rittenhouse. And the the last line of defence really for the uh, the prosecution is the fact that he was there. People are saying, you know, why was he there? Why was he there? Well, why was anyone there? It was a riot. Um, the you know the, the the standard held to Rittenhouse has not been applied to those who were rioting for I think three nights straight at that point. Um, and throughout that entire summer in America, a culture of you know it being okay to go out and smash windows if you're uh, act if you're an activist for progressive causes was uh, normalized in American society. Rioting had become basically a daily sight at that point in the states. Um, and, and as Luke mentioned before we recorded, within a week of that incident, um, someone who was in a similar position to Rittenhouse was stalked in the street and shot and shot and dead. You know, um, it was a a tragedy that came out of a culture of intense violence, but in the actual incident itself, I, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that that kid was defending himself. Hmm. Well, we'll see about that as the, the court case goes on. But I think what's most interesting is that um, I mean, you've you've I, I only picked up on this case after you started messaging me about it and or commenting on it, regardless. Um, and one of the sort of key messages that a lot of people have taken um, is that Rittenhouse was or is a white supremacist and that this was the basis of what he was doing that he was out there uh, to cause trouble uh, to kill people in particular to kill black people um, and that's from the little that I have seen in terms of commentary online that's the impression that I've gained of what many people think so what is it that's wrong with that view well the press the press have completely lied about it and I know we've point. been talking about records today but this has to be a record for the American press in most partisan one-sided way of looking yeah. at a story. Yeah. That's sort of about three, about in the Trump presidency, which we all saw, they uh, said that Jesse Smollett's fake hate crime was true for a very long time until they were forced to, re- to uh, not retract it, but sort of mm-hmm. stop talking mm-hmm. about it. For the Covington kid at the Capitol yeah. Hill, it was in fact the, um, the Native American with the drum who started on the group, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, of course, we're seeing basically a media try to man man the court of public opinion 
to um, sentence an innocent boy but, but, it's, murder. but it's working because I, I've spoken to people about this who genuinely believe he walked into a protest and started firing some people genuinely believe that happened and mm. and that's completely on the press they've, they've never been asked and the most alarming part is that there's you know there is pretty clear footage of the entire incident happening during which every argument made by the prosecution is completely refuted is Luke okay? I hope that's just not his face. <laughs> Luke, are you okay? I think you have also had a stroke. Better leave, leave, leave the chat now, won't he? Uh, oh, he's back. God, this My apologies. The, the internet has been absolutely shite. They must be doing work somewhere. God, this one's going to be a fucking bitch to edit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. All right. Um, what are you saying? But yeah, no. the The image of the um, of what happened is so completely skewed um, by the press that people have people do not understand what happened. You know, and what simply happened was um, he was attacked by four people, three of whom were shot, all of whom in the process of attacking him. And out of the four who attacked him, the one who didn't get shot was black. Mm. Yeah. You've stumbled across a tripwire there. You see, facts don't actually matter to these people. What matters is that Carl Rittenhouse is a white supremacist villain who uh, shot on a largely peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. I remember and reading if one. I don't agree with, with that. You're a white supremacist. Yeah, well, I read one. And as soon as the uh, not guilty verdict is in, there'll be bloody more riots. Well, that's true. Yeah, I, I also read that someone commented that the the prosecutor was a white supremacist and that that was why he wasn't doing a very good job. <laughs> Which I found quite. He wasn't doing a very good job because there's video evidence that refutes his case. Right. Well, that, that doesn't normally help, does it? <laughs> no. No idea. No, it's it's been an it's been an insane trial. It's been a complete circus. And again, it's just it's exo- It's just further proof of why Americans trust the press less than any other country in the world. Is that right? Even because because, because the the American press throughout this entire trial have been telling Americans not to believe their lying eyes. Hmm. Which is, you know, it's it, it's the the basis of propaganda is don't believe your lying eyes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's sort of part and parcel of uh, many things taught in education to young children today. It's part of what we're supposed to swallow as part of the, you know, the, the new culture uh, is is denying things that we all know to be true. We've always known to be true and presume we always would know to be true. Uh, we're told to refute all this, to say that it's all lies. And that um, there are different versions of the truth, perhaps. That's, well, that's I, so I, 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 I've consumed as much of the footage as I can and watched most of the trial. And I, I have put together what I can tell is a timeline of events. Um, so in the in the first incident, the shooting of uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, a, uh, a witness testified that Rosenbaum um, first threatened to kill any of the uh, individuals defending the, um, the, the car lot. Um, that he'd killed them if he ever caught them alone. Uh, he was testified as saying um, "f you" to Rittenhouse and grabbing for his gun before he chased him into a car park. Carl uh, inadvertently ran into a dead end where he couldn't escape. In the footage, you can see Rosenbaum mere inches from Carl when he discharges the weapon. Um, that's the first shooting. The second, he he escapes and he's fleeing towards uh, police lines when he's he's singled out by a crowd and he's chased and he falls to the ground. Um, before that, someone can be heard clearly yelling, get him, at which point the individual who attacked him but wasn't shot uh, jumps 
over him and kicks him in the head and then bolts off somewhere out of harm's way doesn't get shot doesn't get harmed at all the second individual runs towards Carl the skateboard and hits him in the back of the head with it and then reaches for his gun at which point Carl shoots the third shooting uh the ind an individual who was very close by to, to the second shooting raises his arms to feign surrender with a handgun in his arms and then he waits to Carl lowers his barrel and he he moves to shoot and the individual who was shot testified in court that that was the case that Carl didn't fire until the gun was aimed at him so in all three shootings you have a clear instance of him defending himself i mean should he have been there possibly not he's a 17 year old kid he should not have been at a riot fine i can admit that but in the actual case of the actions that led to two men losing their lives and one man getting his arm nearly blown off in every single case if he hadn't fired i have no doubt he would have either come to serious bodily harm or been killed well there you are i think you should go over to the trial put your suit on and and tell a judge and a jury that because you've um <laughs> certainly from what i've heard of the prosecution the judge and jury would be all right actually it's just a lying prosecution <laughs> asking about tiktok handles and <laughs> which, which which by the way is the single greatest moment in court history ever <laughs> it, it just felt I, I was talking to you just before it just felt like it was edited by the babylon the, 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 honestly the way he just like sort of... explain to the folks as, as norm mcdonald would say what's going it, on there it, it's I... literally like proper red scare tactics it's uh are you or have you ever been a member of the communist party so did have you ever had a very dubious tiktok handle just similar asking have you ever posted anything racist on social media <laughs> For a murder charge but also just just the way he's all enthusiastically and politely nodded and said yes that's my name on tiktok it's just it's just I mean, it's, it's a 17 year old kid and he's like he's wiping the floor with this like balls of titanium i i do think he'll he'll get off now uh, i think the, the the case in court bear in mind the jury are, are, seque are sequestered so they aren't you know engaging with the press at any point during this trial they're, they're basically in a, in a blackout um I do think he'll be innocent, but the press are priming the American left for rioting when that happens. They've switched tack. They they know the defeatist. They know the judge isn't taking any any of their crap. Um, so they're basically priming it that the judge rigged the trial. He's a Nazi, and there's going to be more. Uh, it's going to get um, mostly peaceful after the verdict. I believe. I mean, I've noticed this rhetoric from the American progressive media, and they're um, they're informing their audience that America's on the verge of a right-wing coup when I mean, they've been able to play on that since the Capitol Hill protest yeah. and uh, of, of course when um, they can skew the, the the readings of the Rittenhouse trial in its ideological favour and they can say oh look biased judge perhaps corrupted prosecution they've got off this white supremacist look America's on the verge of a right another right-wing dictator of course, but they hey, voted um, the last one out of power. Yeah, but, but hey, I mean, there's hope for us all. I mean, Nick Sam and the, the Covington kid uh, sued the corporate press for millions. So um, if, he, if, he, if, he, if he does, um, if he is found not guilty, which, which I sincerely hope he is, because it would be a serious miscarriage of justice if he, if he is found guilty. Um, I hope he sues them for every, every damn penny. An another prediction as, as well, not not just he will become a millionaire through libel lawsuits, is that he'll be on stage at the RNC, next RNC convention. <laughs> Guarantee it. Well, it's getting worse again. We're going, we've gone up and now we've gone back down. Yeah. That's, just a, that's just a factual statement. I invited Nick Sandman on. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening.
We hope you've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed talking to you and hope that you join us again next week. Thanks all very much. <laughs>